Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. One of the great honors of my life is getting to play a role behind the scenes for some of the most influential personal brands in the world. I've actually found it much more enriching and fulfilling to be behind the scenes and be a part of the team that's coordinating that for other people than I have even for us building my personal brand and our company. And today is truly one of those moments for me. A few months ago, one of my other mentors, John Gordon, introduced me to a gentleman named Ed Milet, who you've probably heard of. Ed and I started talking and I found out he had a book launch. And uh, book launches is something that we know something about. And so Ed and I became friends. And it has been an absolute honor and privilege to work alongside of Ed here for a few months now in a pretty close working relationship, helping him launch this book that's coming out called The Power of One More. And we're going to talk about the book. But if you don't know Ed, just really quick, I've known Ed, I've been following him for years. He's one of my favorite people to follow online. He's got over 3 million online followers at the time of this recording. He is in the Forbes 50th wealthy under 50 years old. He's the host of a podcast called The Ed Milet Show, which has had, I mean, everybody, Terrell Owens, Mel Robbins, Dabo Sweeney, John Maxwell, Jay Shetty. It goes on and on and on. Ed is one of the best speakers that I've ever seen, and I have personally learned so much from him. And he's also the real deal. I mean, he has a, a net worth that is in the nine figures, which is not his focus by any means, but a testament to the fact that he's the real deal. It's not fake. And uh, he loves Jesus. He's humble. And man, what an honor to introduce you to my new friend, Ed Malette. Hey, brother. Rory, great to be with you. You're understating your involvement and role in my life now. You're the centerpiece of this book launch. You've been leading it from the front the entire time. And I've been in business for 30 years. I've never worked with anybody like you before. You are remarkable. He is, just so you all know, his uh, brilliance is only exceeded by his generosity. And uh, he's a remarkable man. I actually can't even believe as I'm saying this, I'm getting a little bit emotional. I did not think I would, but I'm very grateful for you, brother. Grateful for your friendship and mentorship because I've learned so much from you the last 60 days. And I know it's just the beginning of a lifelong friendship and, and also a business relationship too. So great to be with you today. Well, thank you, man. Um, that means just so much coming from you. And and I want it, I want people to hear your real story. Like your life story is tremendously inspiring. Also, you know, hope you don't mind me sharing this, but like Ed is working his butt off. I mean, we are running him ragged. He is following our, you know, bestseller launch plan, which we take our clients through. Can I share how many units we've pre-sold, Ed? Is that yeah, okay? It's fine. Sure. Forty thousand units of this book have already been pre-sold. And we have, at the time of this recording, we got about six weeks to go. We're doing a huge event in Raleigh. But so, Ed, take us back to like, I want to hear the story of how you started building your personal brand. You've got this great story as a kid. You crushed it in business. You still crush it in business. And just, but like, take us back to where do you demarcate the genesis of you building your personal brand? 
Yeah, I really didn't know what I was doing. I, I had been an entrepreneur and a speaker for a number of years, and I sort of resisted the – I wanted to stay private. I really, you know me well now, like I buy homes where I'm very private. It's not that I don't love people. I actually adore people, but I'm introverted. And so, and just exposing the, my life, I, most of my friends are famous, unfortunately, right? And so mm. I knew it came with that and I didn't want all of it. And so I did it very reluctantly, but the encouragement of a lot of the people that I coach, some people like Tony Robbins also, like, hey man, you need to, you need to get out there and share what you know. And, uh, and so I made the decision, it's a really funny story. I'll tell you this because you'll laugh. Tony Robbins told me, Hey man, you need to, you need to get on social media. And I'm, I'm an idiot and I'm not very good at posting. And he challenged me in a way that sort of made me want to do it. So we're sitting on my balcony. My son was in the other room. And he goes, I said, Max, you're now the head of my social media team. <laughs> Set me up one of these accounts. He came back in in like an hour and said, dad, you're on Twitter and Instagram. I said, okay. And Tony goes, make a video and post it. I go, okay. How long are these videos? I speak for an hour. How long can they be? He's like uh, 60 seconds. I go, dude, <laughs> Come on, man. I don't clear my throat in 60 seconds. He goes, well, you need to figure out how because that's how this stuff works. So I shoot mm. the first video right there on my balcony, standing right there next to me. I shoot it. Next day, gets like four views and one like. Nice. And I call Tony. <laughs> I'm like, hey, this stuff doesn't work. And my son, I'm like, I thought you knew what you were doing. Four views and only one of them even liked it. Uh, this is not for me. And this is what I hear Tony say. I, Rory, I swear to you on our friendship. This is what I hear him say. He goes, dude. You got to post at the right time of the day. You got to post at <laughs> breakfast time. So if you watch my social, I post every morning to this day at 7.30 a.m. Yeah. Pacific time. Every day, every post on my main feed. That's because back in the day, Tony Robbins told me to post at breakfast time. This is what I think he says to me next, Rory. And by the way, you got to post at breakfast time and you need to have hash browns in the video. This is what I hear him say. Hash brown. I'm like, and I don't want to sound stupid. I'm like, really? <laughs> breakfast and hash browns? All right. Okay, dude, I'll make another one. So I call Max and go, hey, I thought you knew about this stuff. Tony says it's got to be breakfast videos around breakfast table. And there needs to be hash browns in the video. Max is like, daddy, I don't, why would there need to be a breakfast? I go, I don't know, but that's how this stuff works. <laughs> so the next video, you can go to my social media. It's a video of me with a plate of eggs and hash browns. <laughs> and I make a video. I swear to you, you don't know this story. And then, then that video gets like three views and no likes. And I tell Tony, I go, hey, man, I call him up. I go, this is crap. The hash brown thing tanked. He goes, <laughs> he goes, what did you just say? I go, I did the breakfast post with the hash browns. He goes, dummy. I said, hashtags, not hash browns. I said, well, I heard hash and breakfast. He goes, no, it's the time of the day with hash tags. I'm like, what the heck's a hashtag? He goes, I don't know. It's like a pound sign with a word and it helps them find your video. I go pound. What? He goes, I, he goes, dude, just what do years? the hashtag thing. And what sure enough, that was my start on social media. And I wake up like a year later because the content's good, right? I wake up a year later. I got a million followers on Instagram. You know, I'm getting, I'm growing like crazy. And I've ended up growing to these millions of people, man. And as you know, I've never run an ad. It's completely, it's completely authentic growth. Like it's can viral. I, can, I've never I need run to, an ad. I need to say this right now because this is important. I've actually, I haven't, I don't think I've told this to you directly, but I've said this to several people since, you know, working so closely with you, which is that one of the thing, there's so many things about you that amaze me, but one of the things that amazes me most is like everybody else out there in the space doing this, this is their full-time job. They right. got teams. They're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's, it's all they're doing. You don't like you have a pretty thin team. This yeah. is like a side project, which it's like almost a distraction for you, which 
makes me admire you. And it also really pisses me off. Like really, really jealous, but like it it is. That's why you've come into my life. I mean, we've become one of the, you know, uh, I think influencer magazine named me the fastest growing businessman in the history of social media. And as you know, I have very few people on my team. It's here's the good news. It's been content driven. And I don't say that to brag. I just say that like my content's good and in a diverse amount of content. And that's what's grown. And now I've met a pro. In fact, I've met the best in you. And so now between the book, the power of one more that's coming out, the event we're doing with it, that, you know, that's pretty significant. And then what we'll do with my social going forward, I actually feel like I've now met the best people in the world. It's going to get real scary what's going to happen when you take the best content now married with the best team of people who know how to build a brand, which is you. And so I'm fired up, man. I cannot wait for this thing to explode even to another level. Yeah, for sure. Well, I also, another part of that little story is how coachable, I mean, for you to be somebody who's incredibly successful, I mean, that's a vast understatement to say, Tony Robbins says, post a video with hash browns and without even thinking about it, you just do it. What year was that? That was probably seven years ago. That's when I started. But by the way, you know me well enough now. I'm still that way. I'm coachable to you and other people. Look, I've built lots of wealth and lots of different businesses by knowing I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I know what I'm good at. In fact, I talk about this in the book, taking advantage of your giftedness and allowing the gifts of other people to flourish around you. I think what does strike people when they start to interact with me, I'm a confident dude. I'm an intense dude. Mm -hmm. I think you would tell people that. Mm -hmm. I can get frustrated, but I like to think that I have humility, which means I know what I don't know. And I defer to experts. And sometimes that's disarming to people. Like, I thought he'd be more of a dominant presence when they're with me. Well, where I need to be, believe me, I'm dominant. And I assert myself. But I'm, I just laugh at people who think they know everything. Look, at you're the premier guy at what you do. I'm blessed to have you in my life. Why would I not let you do what you're great at and I'll do what I'm great at? I've built and sold many, many different businesses on the premise that if you surround yourself with great people, take advantage of their giftedness, use your giftedness, you're unstoppable. And that's really a lot, which as you know, that's there's a lot of that in the book. And you've watched me do it with you. I'm like, hey, I don't know. What should we do? And I listen. Now, if someone proves themselves consistently not to be equipped to do the job, that's a different story altogether with me. I'll make a switch. Yeah. But until that time comes, in your case, every single thing you basically told me to do has worked and you've exceeded what you told me you were going to do when we first met one another. So why wouldn't I give you more space to lead? I think that's how you build something great. Yeah, it's an interesting dichotomy, like Ed, because it's throwing me for a loop because you're both physically intimidating, like you mm-hmm. are a very behemoth of a man, your stature, mm-hmm. but your reputation is huge. Your track record is huge. You're And you are very intense, but then you are very open and receptive to this. I mean, it's really interesting. It, I, it actually inspired me to make a post um, recently about the difference between like confidence and pride. And I was just basically saying how, you know, confidence is how you do something, mm-hmm. but pride is who you do it for. So you can be extremely confident, but totally humble because you're doing it in service of others. You're not doing it just in service of yourself, which is how I think of pride. And you are extremely confident, extremely intense, and yet somehow very humble and coachable to the point where you're posting hash browns. I'm also doing what you've asked me to do on the book, different things. So my favorite people, I talk about this in the book and how to establish self-confidence, a whole chapter on it. It's pretty detailed. It's not, this book is heavy. I mean, it's a very heavy, everyone who's read it, that's friends of mine is like, whoa, 
this is there's no breathing room. It's content. I mean, it's specific stuff. But my favorite people have this nuance, and it's a very, very difficult line to nuance. In fact, the ultimate person who's ever exemplified this is Jesus. But there's this line of tremendous confidence combined with humility. So the people that I love most have a lot of self-confidence, but their humility, it causes them to be curious, kind, open, grow. We all know people with tons of self-confidence have no humility. Their ego's out of control. They eventually burn out. They eventually make a mistake. They eventually self-destruct. We also have friends with tons of humility with no self-confidence. And you have to carry them through yes. life. You can do it. You can do it. So it's the nuance of the two. Jesus knew who he was, but he was humble enough to present himself as a man. He was humble enough to submit. He was humble enough to feed the masses. He was humble enough to give his life for us. Talk about the ultimate level of sacrifice and humility, yet at the same time, simultaneously knowing who he really was. And so the best people that I know that I like to get close to, they toe that line. Sometimes you err on one side or the other, but I'd love to, I hope that, I continue to have a very level of, I know how to build self-confidence. I detail that in the book. I know how to help you become self-confident. I've helped the top people in the world do that. I know how to do that. The humility part is a character trait. You have to want to grow. You have to know. For me, man, like it's weird to write a book called The Ultimate Guide to Happiness and Success. And I give all these keys. Yet at the same time, I have a whole chapter on faith. I also know that there's many times in my life, brother, where the truth is, I don't know what happened. My reflections are vague. And the truth Mm -hmm. is, all I conclude is that during those difficult times, the Lord just sort of picked me up and carried me for a while and then set me back down in a better place. And then I went to work and then he picked me back up and carried me for a while. And it's why it makes me so emotional because it's odd to write a book about here's how you become happier and more successful, knowing that so much of it wasn't me. And so much of it was God in my life was favor, was blessing. And so it's, I'd be remiss if I said I have all these answers because I, I actually know I don't. The older I get, the more I realize what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that makes me humble and curious to want to know more, including in my faith. To grow well, there. your faith is another example of this humility, right? Like you've got the money, you've got the influence, you have the followers, you've got the most famous people in your cell phone, mm-hmm. and yet you willingly submit and surrender your life to Jesus. and. You know, I told AJ, we had a sermon. This was shortly after I met you. We had a sermon in my pastor that he said, what do you feel God calling you to do? And I told AJ, I said, this is weird, but I feel God telling me to go all in on Ed Milet. Thank you. And and I tell you why, because it's, you know, I was mentored personally by Zig Ziglar and Mm -hmm. Zig at the end of his life got very, very bold about his faith. Mm -hmm. And I see you doing that. And it's inspiring to me. It's also impactful kingdom work. I mean, you're a secular author. This is a right. business. This is a business book. But man, if Ed Milet is, if Jesus is good enough, like for an Ed Milet, or yeah. you know, to hear somebody like you go, no, this is this is what it's really about for me. It's inspiring, and it also it makes me more excited to be a part of what you're doing because you're reaching a lot of people who would not hear that message. I was just talking about this with a very, 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 actually two of them, maybe the two most famous pastors in the world. I won't say their names, but two of very famous guys. And I was talking about that. I said, look, when they come listen to you, man, they know what they're getting. Your pastor. What's cool with me is they come for me for the jet or the island or the money or the other stuff. And they're going to get all that. I want them to have all that stuff. But then they're going to hear this other thing that they didn't expect to hear. And I'm hoping that maybe that I can reach people to some extent that God's using me to potentially reach people that maybe not everybody else can get to. 
really significant thing and calling for me. And I just, I hope that I'm bold enough. I hope that I'm becoming more and more bold with it. It's never that I've not been willing to be bold. It's that I've sort of learned to express it more as I've gotten a little bit older. And I just love the Lord, man. Like you have to conclude when you get to a certain point in your life, like, hey man, I'm not, this is not me. There's no way this is me. Here's what I really think I believe, you know, brother, that I represent a little bit. I think there's this notion in the world, in the faith world, that you can't believe in science or facts or details or strategies and still be a person of faith. And then I think secular people think that if you believe in faith, that you can't believe in these other things. I believe in the brain. I believe in brain science. I believe in neuroplasticity. I believe in the reticular activating system and the prefrontal cortex of your brain and visualizations and neuroplasticity. And I believe in epigenetics. I believe in all these different things. I just happen to believe there's a holy God in heaven that created all of it. I just happen to believe that I know where it comes from. And so I'm both a person of faith and a person of science. And by the way, oftentimes my faith confirms the science and my science confirms the faith. And so maybe that's too deep, but I write about it in the book. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. Yeah. So let's talk about the book for a second. Your story is moving, Ed. Like, can you take, can you just take us back to your dad? Like the yeah. relationship you have with your father, like your earthly father I'm talking about is an important part of your life. It's an important part of this book. And uh, can you just talk about like where you started in your relationship with your dad and how that evolved and how did that influence the direction of the book? Everything. And like most people were influenced by who raised us, right? So I wrote the book after my dad died last year. And it's called The Power of One More because my dad embodied this. My dad was an alcoholic the first 15 years of my life, was not living a great life. I believe so deeply that humans can change because I watched my hero do it. I watched my own father live not as a great father or husband for the first 15 years of my life. He made one decision and gave one more try to get sober. Then my dad stayed sober the second half of his life and lived as magnificent a life on earth as anybody I've ever watched in my entire 50 years on the planet. So I know humans can change because my dad made that one decision to get sober. And everything that I am, I've learned from my dad. I really do believe the premise of the book is this that you're a lot closer to the dream life that you want than you think you are. And the fact that you think you're so far away causes you to pace yourself like it and keeps it in the distance. But what if it's true that your one decision, one relationship, the ultimate relationship is with your heavenly father? One thought, one emotion, one meeting, one guy I meet, Rory, Rory meets me, to completely changing your life. And then the question becomes, if I'm right about that, and I know I'm right about that, then what are the two books I always carry with me are my book, The Power of One More, and Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich is my second favorite book other than my scriptures. I love it. Having said that, you don't just think and get rich. You have to do things. And so (laughs) I wanted to write a book that told you what are the thoughts, and then what is the, the collective action that you do in congruency that create change? The thought and then the action. Doing them together is what creates the change. I'm just tired of reading books, Rory, that it's the same. It's Think and Grow Rich written a little bit differently. I wanted a book that's modern and profound 
and links faith, but also links the brain strategies you need and the techniques and the habits and the goal setting. How do you create standards? What's equanimity, right? What's the reticular activating system? What's the matrix of your life? How do you build self-confidence? What's your identity? All these different things in the book. And I've done that because my dad, I learned these things from. And every day I believe in one more try. I believe in redemption. I believe that you know, you're saved, not because you're perfect, but because of God's grace in your life. And that no matter what age you are, what mistakes you've made, or what baggage you're carrying around, bankruptcy, divorce, a sin you've had, something you're ashamed of, you can drop those bags at any moment in one decision in one moment and completely change your life. I've watched my dad do it. If that's true, then how do you? How do you? And that's why I wrote the book is the how do you's. It is fire. You know, I got obviously a little insider preview to a lot of this in these interviews, but you're like the concept of identity Mm -hmm. is just one in and of itself of like who you believe you are has everything to do with like who you become. It's just like what you're talking about as we go. If I feel like I'm an impossible distance away, I don't even take a step. Yep. But if I believe that I am one relationship away and yeah, like, I think that there's a part of this that feels like I'm writing this story right now. Like John Gordon sent one email to say, Ed, I don't know why, but I think you should talk to Rory. And like, we're not exactly sure how this is going to play out. I mean, we know your book's going to crush it, but like, it feels like God is orchestrating something here and going like, man, that is one email and one relationship away. That that has been our story with Lewis. I have never told you the full story about Lewis, but that one relationship changed the trajectory of, of our life. And so if I believe that, now all of a sudden I can take that next step. Like just that premise alone is massive. Well, the identity part's huge. It's the thermostat of your life. Your identity is sitting on the wall of your life and it, it regulates everything. So it's what you believe you're worth you're going to get. This is a fact. So if you're a 75 degree of wealth or happiness or faith, and your results begin to exceed it, 80, 95, 100, you will find a way to subconsciously sabotage it and turn the air conditioner back down to get what you believe you're worth. It's a fact. I watch it. People think it's coincidental. Oh, I lost my money because of the market or my car broke down or I had to loan someone. Nope, not. You turn the air conditioner on and you got it back to what you believe you deserve. So this identity thing is huge to heat up to 85, 90, 100, 120 degrees so that your results, your faith, your happiness, your abundance continues to grow. You will never exceed your identity ever, no matter what skill, what business, what you got to grow your identity. The question is, how do you do it? And in the book, I go through detailed what I call the trilogy of identity. The first part of identity, believe it or not, is faith. If I come from a all-knowing, all-loving God who made me in my image and likeness. Aren't I supposed huh. to do something great with my life? There's so many believers. They, they got God on Sunday. They got God on you know Bible study on Wednesdays. But when they walk into a boardroom or a sales call or a meeting, they're alone. They forget all about it. Wow. And then their identity reduces. But if I've got Jesus with me right on my shoulder, he's got my back every single call, every single podcast, every single meeting. Man, my identity can't be 75 with Jesus. Impossible. Second thing of your identity, intention. You have to start to give yourself more credit for your intent. Too many of you are basing your identity on your ability or what you've achieved or who you are, and you'll always be chasing it. In other words, it'll never catch up. But what if you started to say, I intend to serve. I intend to do good. I intend to make a difference with this customer of mine or this client of mine or with my social media or with my brand. My intent is to serve. Right before we started, I swear to you, I say a quick prayer, connect with my faith. Lord, help me serve. I'm connecting to my intention. Man, my identity goes through the roof because I know two things. I know Jesus has my back. And number two, I know I intend to do well. I intend to serve. Third part of it is association. 
Who are you around? If you're a 75 degree or and you're around someone with 120 degrees of financial identity or faith, they will heat you up eventually through proximity mm. to their thermostat setting. So if you combine faith, intention, and, and association, you can shift this identity and then your thermostat setting on your entire life. By the way, you have a happiness thermostat too. You could start to achieve all the external stuff. You could even be a church going person or have all kinds of, but you're just not any happier than you used to be. It's because you've got a thermostat setting of happiness that was installed in you when you were a child at 75 degrees and you just reinforced it all your life with all these references. So I teach you how to change that in the book. So there's all types of thermostat settings we have. Yeah. I mean, that is so huge. And what you hit on, and I just want to edify for everybody, is this book strikes the balance of this thought and action. It's the intersection of this high level sort of cerebral and science and visualization, and then also the practicality, the the pragmatic nature. It's palatable, right? Is to go, what do I do? If I want to raise my identity, I need to remind myself of my faith and my creator. I need to remind myself and set the right intention. and I need to associate with the right people. That takes such an obscure concept like identity and makes it real. And that's why you need to go buy this book Like, and buy the book now. I mean, you don't get a chance to learn from somebody like Ed and just even to pull out, like for someone like him to take a whole lifetime worth of lessons and, and dump it out. I mean, the thing that blows me away is it's like it's 20 bucks or 25, $28. It's insane. Yeah, it is, brother. And I wrote the book when my dad passed because you know, it dawned on me in that moment that I'm the next one, you know, I'm going to pass someday. And I think, you know, Napoleon Hill says in Think and Grow Rich, begin with the end in mind. You know what? That's for a goal. That's true in life. Begin with the end in mind and work your way backwards. And so for me, I thought, you know what? I want my great grandkids to know what I thought about life, what I learned about success and happiness. And I want to write about it until I'm dad and gone. And the truth is, if you want to know the power of one more, let me take it from you. You want to know the power of, see the whole premise is, if you're going to be in the gym doing 10 reps, do 11. You're going to be 30 minutes on the treadmill, do one more. You're going to tell your sweet daughter you love her, tell her one more time a day. You start stacking up the one mores in your life, right? All of a sudden, you're a different human being. Self-confidence is the process of keeping the promises you make to yourself. It's a relationship with you. And when you have a reputation with yourself that you keep the promises you make to yourself, you are a self-confident person long-term. But if you want to be a world-class achiever, Build a relationship, a reputation with yourself where you do one more than you promise yourself. And all of a sudden, you're a monster of achievement. But you know what? That power, my favorite thing to do, man, was play golf with my dad. And neither one of us are good golfers. But it was five <laughs> hours with my hero and my best friend right next to me in the golf cart. And we would talk deep about life and politics, which we disagreed on and all kinds of different stuff. Rory do you know what I would give right now for one more round of golf with my dad? I can't oh. even tell you, brother. One more conversation. I could hug my dad one more time. And I can't. But it shows you the power of how precious one more is. So if you do have someone you love here on earth, what if you started to look at it? Like, what if this is my one last conversation with her? What if when your wife walks in the room, what if it was, what if it was, what if it was the last dance? What if it was the last dinner? What if I only had one more? What if you started to look at that call, that sales call? What if this is my last shot? I only have one more. When you begin to take the one more away, you start to understand the power of it. 
And so the power of it in its absence is magnified. The good news is we are still here. If you've had someone pass away and you can't have that conversation, honor them with your life. But if they are here, make it more precious. It does matter. And I don't know how many more you get to talk to your parents, but I know it's not infinity. And so take advantage of the times that you have with the people that you love. Take advantage of the opportunities. Look for the relationships. Look for the decisions. Look for the thoughts. Look for the meanings. I just had a play golf. Talk about money. I played golf two weeks ago. Talk about one relationship and one decision away. I think I told you this, but again, the guy goes, hey, uh, we can play golf with this guy. Net worths are real similar. He did it in a really interesting way. So we first, he go, hey, man, I want to know how you... How'd you build your fortune? He goes, uh, about 30 years ago, a guy asked me a $50,000 loan. He actually asked me and my other friend. I gave him the 50 grand, so did my friend, but my friend a week later asked for it back and he got the money back. I didn't ask for the money back. He goes, a 50 grand turned into about 700 million. Whoa. I went, say that again? Because yeah, about 700 million. I go, who's the, who's the guy you loaned the money to? He goes, some dweeb back in the day named Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I went, you got to be flipping kidding me, man. That's an extreme example of one relationship and one decision away from a different life. But in some way, the small ones like that end up stacking up and you really are. Think about if you're married, that one relationship, how much has changed your life, that one decision to ask her or him out, that one decision to get married, that child you have, that one relationship, how much it changed your life. So this isn't up for debate. The question then is, how do I foster these new relationships? How do I make these new decisions? How do I uncover these new emotions? What are the new thoughts I have to have? What's the one more thing I got to do? And if you read the book, you'll know. Where do you want them to go? I, I have one last question for you before yeah. that, though. Where where do you want people to go, Ed? We've practiced your call to action. Where do you want people to go? Buy the book right now. Well, we, we want you to go to thepowerofonemore.com. That's where we want you to go, but you can get the book anywhere. But if you go to the power of one more.com, you're going to find some cool stuff there as well. And I got to tell you that if I've ever believed more strongly in something, I don't know what it is. I just feel very strongly. I'm convicted that it can make a difference in your life, whether as a mother, a father, a business person, a leader, an athlete, just as a human being, I think you'll find keys to becoming more successful and happier. That's why I call it the ultimate guide to happiness and success. So go to the power of one more.com and get the book anywhere books are sold. I love it. Guys, go get the book. I mean, seriously, this is, it's insane. $28 or $30 to have access to somebody like Ed Milet and what's going on in his head is incredible. Ed, the last thing I want you to leave the audience with is you have this, I don't know if it's like a game or, but there's this thing that you do in your life about meeting your potential Mm-hmm. Uh, and like meeting the person one day. Yeah. Can you just talk about what that is? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 100% I do, for sure. It's how I live every day. It's my dominant thought. We all have a dominant thought. The dominant thought running through my mind is that, listen, I know that when I get to heaven someday, I just, all I need is the Lord to go, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Get in here. That's what I want, right? But I have this hallucination that he made me his image and likeness, and there's a destiny version of me. And I have this feeling, at least I let myself have it, that when I do die, you talk about beginning with the end in mind. This is what I meant when I said this earlier. I believe I get to meet the destiny version of me, the man I was born to be, the man he made me to be, the guy who had the contribution, the moments, the memories, the feelings, the emotions, the experiences, the difference he made in life. I get to meet that guy someday. And every decision I make as I go through my life, one more decision is to catch that guy. I want to catch that dude. And when I die and get there, I want him to look back at me and go, hey, man, I seen you've been chasing me all your life. You caught me. And I go, dang it, I've been after you forever. To me, heaven 
Heaven is I meet the man I was capable of becoming and we're identical twins. That's heaven. Hell is we're total strangers. And I can't live with the idea that that might possibly happen. I don't want that. I want to meet the man I was capable of becoming. And so when I'm thinking about making a decision or whether to go for it or whether to have a new relationship, does it move me closer to heaven or not? If it moves me to closer to heaven, then it's a step I should take. And that's why I live my life thinking that. Y'all follow Ed, buy the book, listen to what this guy's about. I'm telling you, the more I've gotten to know him, the more I've liked him. I've always been a fan. And the closer that we've gotten, the more that I've developed a respect and a true admiration for this guy. I'm glad that he is out there in the world doing what he's doing. Brother, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you for the compliment of being here. Thank you for the privilege of allowing us to play a tiny part in everything that you got going on. And uh, we just wish Rory, you the best. Rory, it's not tiny. The feelings are at least mutual. And I love you. And I'm grateful for you, bro. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.